so much, Lord, for your amazing grace and mercy that you so lavishly poured out on each and every one of us. God, not every single person in this room, I believe, has actually received that gift that you so freely offer. And God, I pray for that person. God, I pray that you open their eyes, open their hearts. God, open their, their lives to the fact that they don't have a relationship with you, that they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And because of that, uh, they're not destined for heaven, they're destined for hell. God, I don't say that to scare anybody or to, to, to terrify anybody so that they'll pray some prayer. God, I pray that people realize the truth of God's word so they might come to a saving knowledge of him as he is truly revealed in your word. God, I think that in this, this world that we live in, people are, are, are teaching something different. They're not teaching the truth of your word. They're not, they're not teaching about what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus, and some people are deceived because of that. God, I pray that we wouldn't be that way. I pray that if nothing else happens in this place, God, that your truth is proclaimed, that, God, people see you for how you have truly revealed yourself in the person of Jesus Christ. God, how you continue to reveal yourself through this word that changes us forever. God, I pray that you do a great work in our lives right now. God, through the preaching and teaching of your word, God, I pray that you are glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We're still in a series of spiritual warfare here at Simple Church. I'm not sure how long this will last, but I can tell you it'll last at least one more week because God has already kind of laid on my heart what next week will look like. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I am going to tell you that you should come back. It's like a soap opera, right? You've got to come back for more the next week. I try to leave you hanging maybe. Yeah, I don't do that so much. I just proclaim God's truth. And if God challenges you that you need to come back and hear something else and you need to continue in your pursuit of Christ and you need to continue on the path uh, that God has set for you, then you should do that. If you want to give up on God, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> There's a lot of people that get weighed down by the world, get, get sidetracked, get something going on in their lives and they say, well, I'm going to get my, my focus back on God one day. I'm going to get my life straightened out one day. No, you won't. That won't happen. You won't do it on your own. There's only one way that it will happen and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. It is only through the power that exists through his Holy Spirit that changes your heart, that changes you from the inside out, that gives you that desire, that motivation to pursue Christ. If you don't have that in you, it's likely you're not a Christian. It's likely that you don't know God. It's likely that you will not spend eternity with God. Yeah, here at Simple Church, it's simple. It ain't easy, right? That's the truth. That's the truth. Um, there's a lot of people that are giving half-truths out there, and it's really driving me crazy, to be honest with you. Uh, there's a, a lot of... Uh, this is not a church bashing session, okay? But there are churches, there are pastors, there are ministers, there are people that mean well, but they're telling a half-truth. In their anticipation, in their desire to pe get people to come to faith in Christ... They kind of go about it the wrong way. They kind of, and look, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying that I've never done this because I have. I have. I've done this. And I'm telling you that, that this is not the right way to go about it. This is what happens, especially around Halloween. So we, we just had Halloween last night. Everybody was like, woo, it's fun, candy, whatever, you know, dress up like stupid stuff. I, you know, I'm like that. I like Halloween. I don't worship the devil, but I like Halloween, okay? That's the truth. We eat candy I don't like Satan. I mean, it's just, I, I, that's how I am. It's okay, you know, and, and people want to bash me for that. They're like, man, you can't, you can't love Jesus and love Halloween. I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, 
Because I don't know if you know a lot of stuff about the Christmas traditions that are out there, but a lot of them ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people are putting Christmas trees up in their house without recognizing what a Christmas tree really symbolizes. And I'm not going to go into that now, maybe at Christmas, but I'm just going to say, like, you can celebrate Halloween and still love Jesus. Just like you can still love Jesus and have a Christmas tree in your house. It, it really can happen. I promise you, you don't have to participate in a bunch of cultic, Satanistic junk in order to be able to celebrate Halloween and have a good time. We like to go and knock on people's door and get candy. We like to dress up and act stupid. That's what we do. But there's something else that happens around Halloween. Uh, I mean, we're evangelical. So we, as Christians, we're, we're people that are supposed to go out and evangelize. We're supposed to bring people into the kingdom the best way we know how. So let's do everything we can to, to, to get people to know the truth of God and to get them to surrender their heart and life to Christ. But only God can do that work. So let me, let me say something here that, that maybe some people aren't going to like or what have you. So one thing I see that is a, a trend, especially around Halloween, is, is Christians, in order to be more godly or to pretend to be more godly, what they will do, instead of having you know, a haunted house, they will have a judgment house. It's the, yeah, this is where I'm going. Everybody's like, oh, wait, I was in a judgment house two years ago, or I, my church had one, or whatever. And I'm like, I've been there, okay? I've been there. I've done that. I am going to tell you what the problem with it is. I am going to tell you what the issue with, it, with, with this judgment house and getting people to pray a prayer when they're scared to death and tears are running down their face because they don't want to go to hell. It's, the problem with it is this. It's a half-truth. It's a half-truth. See, people want, to, want, to, want people to not go to hell, so they, they want to tell them that this is what hell looks like. This is what it means if you don't have a relationship with God. And, and they will show people with, with needles hanging out of their arms and sitting in a pool of blood. Or, or they'll have, I, I mean, I, I went to one, I, I went to several of these as a kid, as a matter of fact. I went to one just right down here when I was a kid. And I even went to one where they had, like, chainsaws and stuff. I'm like, well, what's chainsaws have to do with hell? But, you know... It just, it scared the mess out of me, you know, and, and I was like, but I understood something. I understood something, and I don't know how I knew. All I can say is that God just kind of showed me that this is the case. I don't know how I understood it, but, but everybody, everybody like my age was like all into the judgment house. Oh, I got to pray, and I, I got I to receive Jesus. If I pray, I'm going to go to hell. And I understood something, and I don't know how I did. I'd be honest, it had to be God. But what I understood was this. The invitation that Jesus gives is an invitation to die. It's an invitation to say, I surrender fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I say no to myself and yes to Jesus. And Jesus is number one in my life. He is the prominent place in my life and I follow him and I don't follow myself. I, I don't see that. I don't see that being told in any judgment house anywhere. I have not been in one judgment house where they say, you know what you need to do? You need to die to yourself so you can make Jesus Christ number one in your life. You need to give up everything that is important to you so that you can do everything that's important to God. I don't see that. that, that when, when God gave his only begotten son, when he did that, when he says, so that whoever believes, whomsoever should believe, that that person, if they truly believe that he's the son of God, if he is truly that person and they believe in him as the son of God, then they will surrender everything to him. 
He will have a place of prominence in their life, so much so that they, when they struggle, all they can do is look to Jesus. So that when they're, they're hurting, all they can do is look to Jesus. So that Jesus Christ is everything to them, and their selves are nothing anymore. That's the full truth of the gospel. That's what people are leaving out when they send you into a judgment house, and they're trying, well, just pray. Because, listen, if I were to get a hand raising in here, like, who wants to go to hell? Who wants to, to go to a place where it is eternal fire and your, your thirst can't be quenched? You would just beg and plead for a drop of water to be placed on your tongue. Who in here wants that? Nobody would raise their hand, right? You know why? Because hell's bad. And judgment houses, they tell you that. But what they don't tell you is this. They don't tell you how good God is. They don't tell you how amazing Christ's love is. All they want to do is take you to one end of the extreme where you get all emotional and then you say something. I'm telling you that when you surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you see him for who he really is and you see you for who you really are, that will make you emotional. That will drive you to repentance. That will drive you to a relationship with him. That will drive you and say yes to Jesus and no to yourself. This, this is spiritual warfare. That, that's what spiritual warfare is really about. You know, in the Old Testament, we're going to study this for just a second, but in the Old Testament, it's a big thing to worship other gods. Baal and Asherah, we're going to talk about those today. You know, what, what it meant to worship these other gods and all this kind of stuff. You know what really idol worship is or worshiping another god really is? Anything that's not God. It's either God or something else. If it's not him that you truly worship and surrender to, surrender to his lordship and do his will in your life and focus. And I'm not saying you, you're going to be perfect because this is simple church. This ain't perfect church. You ain't going to be perfect, but you're going to desire God more than you desire you. That's what idol worship was all about back then. It was, it was just they, they worshiped these other gods, and all these gods really were 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 things that gave them an excuse to do the things that they wanted to do. They weren't worshiping other gods. They were worshiping themselves. And there's a lot of that that goes on today. Even a lot of it that goes on in the, the Christian church. And as a matter of fact, even the proclamation of the gospel, just like I said, is even perverted because what do they tell you? They tell you, you get what you want by surrendering to Jesus. Isn't that what they tell you? You don't go to hell. You get heaven. So you need to surrender to what you want and say yes to Jesus so you can get what you want. That, that's, that's the gospel as it's presented in a lot of places. I, I'm not here to tell you that. What I am here to tell you is this. You surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It will give you an eternal hope. So much so that you won't necessarily be focused on you. You will be focused on eternity and the things of God. And that's what will matter most in your life. People always, you know, get, they get things all messed up. I mean, like, good intentions, right? I mean, they have good intentions for doing this stuff. You ever heard the phrase, good, the road uh, uh, to hell is paved with good intentions? I think that is so true in the place that we live in, man. People got good intentions. I don't want people to go to hell. No, you don't want people to go to hell. I want people to be Christians. I want people to be Christ-like. I want people to say yes to Jesus Christ. And continue to pursue God. And not give up on God. That's what I, that's what I desire. And, and eternity? 
Man, it's, it's, it's awfully comforting and full of hope to have that wrapped up and say, that yes, that is what it means that I will have eternity in the place that I want to be right now because the place you want to be right now is with Jesus. It's a continuation of this life. If you are saved and a Christian and a follower of Christ, it means you want to be with Jesus. You want to be where Jesus is. You want to study his word. You want to do the things that pleases God. You know why? Because you love Jesus. You want to be with Jesus. You know what eternity is for a Christian? It's somebody that's with Jesus because they love Jesus. I see a lot of people that don't want to be in hell, but not a whole lot of people that want to be with Jesus. Even say in the name of Jesus, you know? A lot of people... They think, if I say the name of Jesus at work, what is going to happen to me? If I say the name of Jesus at school, I can talk about God. God's okay. Everybody's okay with me talking about God. But you start saying the name Jesus, people's going to freak out on me. I'm not going to have any friends. I'm not going to have any coworkers who want to hang around me. This is going to be that Bible-thumping guy, and he don't really want anything to do with me, so I'm not going to hang around him anymore. People won't even say the name of Jesus at work or at school. Or around their friends, their close friends they hang out with and stuff. Man, you need to be able to say the name of Jesus. If you ain't, you need to examine your heart. Because people that love Jesus want to be close to Jesus and certainly don't mind saying his name. Let's talk about idol worship a little bit. 1 Kings chapter 18. We talked about a dude named Elisha last week. This week we're going to be talking about a guy named Elijah. Not the same guy. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 20. Well, let me set this up a little bit. So, Elijah's a prophet of God. He's a man of God. He's telling everybody what God says. He's telling them this is, this is the truth of God, and people don't like it, right? They'd rather worship other gods. They'd rather do their own thing. They'd rather worship themselves. And the king and, and his wife are not real happy about it. Matter of fact, they don't, they don't like it very much at all. And they say, well, you know what we need to do? All these people that, that preach about the true God, we need to get rid of them. We need to kill them. It's not easy being a prophet. It's not easy being somebody that proclaims the truth of God. A little bit more difficult in the Old Testament. They wanted to kill you. Here, Elijah is under the same kind of, same kind of threat. And you want to talk about a spiritual battle. I can only imagine what it must be like. For this man to show up, and he knows this, he knows that if, if, if I go out and publicly proclaim the truth of God that they're going to kill me, they're going to do everything they can to take me out. That's what's going to happen. They're going to try to kill me. So what does he do? He goes anyway. He tells King Ahab, he says, go and summon all of Israel to join me on Mount Carmel along with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. Jezebel is King Ahab's wife. And he says, go get everybody. When he says everybody, he's talking about all of God's people, all the Israelites, all the Jews, all the, the, the Hebrew children. They're like, go and get them all. Bring them to Mount Carmel. And he says, go and get the prophets of Baal. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. And he says, go and get them, bring them here. And we get into verse, verse 20 here. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Elijah's life is on, his line, on the line right here. And you know that this must be a turmoil going on inside of him because he knows that it's likely that when I get done preaching this message, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. 
this is going to be the last message I'm ever going to preach. And it's going to be in front of all these people. And he says, it's worth it because I need to tell these Israelite people that they're worshiping the wrong God. And it's not okay with God. And God is not happy about it. And there is punishment for it. And there's a reality here that, that nobody's willing to talk about. And that is that they're, they're worshiping what they desire and not the true God that created them. He says, so go get them. Go get those prophets. Go get all the guys that say that they, they worship Baal and, and Asherah and they're able to, to talk to these gods and get stuff from them and all this kind of garbage. Go and get them. Bring them to Mount Carmel because I'm going to stand in front of all of Israel and I'm going to say this. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to be somewhere in the middle? Trying your best to, 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 to please yourself and to please God at the same time. I'm glad that there's nobody like that that I know of that's focused on themselves and trying to focus on God at the same time. Like me and God competing for number one in my life and it's this constant fluctuation back and forth. Me a little bit, God a little bit. Yeah. I'm glad I don't know anybody like that. I'm glad I don't, I don't have any issues like that myself. And he says, he looks at all of Israel and he says, how long are you going to continue to do that? How long? It may cost me my life to tell you this, but how long is it going to take? How long are you going to sit there and waver between two opinions? He said, if Baal is God, then fine, worship him. If it's Baal that you want to worship and Baal is truly God, then worship him. But if God is God, then worship him. I can only imagine the amount of turmoil that must be going on in his life. I can only imagine... The turmoil that's going on in a lot of people's lives as they waver between two opinions. They said, but the people were completely silent. Huh. Well, that happens a lot, don't it? Somebody gets challenged with the truth. They get challenged with the fact that they worship themselves more than they worship God. Or they waver between the two and they just, you know what they do? They just sit there. You know why? Because the truth hurts. It's difficult to swallow. It's the same reason why some people don't come back to churches where they teach the truth. They'd rather go to somewhere else or they'd, they'd rather go and, and sit at home and, and sleep late on Sunday mornings as opposed to go and, and, and sitting and hearing the truth. You know why? Because that's easier. That's easier. You know what people do? You know what people do? You know, you know what you do? You know what I do? You know what we do? We do what's easy. We like what's easy. We embrace what's easy. Give me easy. Same reason we worship ourselves instead of worshiping God, because it's easy. You know where your flesh wants you to do? Your flesh wants you to worship yourself. You know why you want to worship your flesh? Because it's easy. You know why people sit at home on Sunday morning still hearing the truth of God's word and worshiping God? Because it's easy. It is not easy to come in here and lift your hands and praise Jesus. I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like it is. There are days when junk happens in your life and you can shake your fist at God and you, don't, you say, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't like you, God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you how much I don't like you. I'm going to stay at home and sleep late this morning. That's easy. I know the struggle is real, folks. I know that it's real. I, I see people all the time come in and they go back out. They don't ever come back. And it's not because they're going somewhere else. It's because they're doing what's easy. When the truth comes at you this way, 
Sometimes it hits you so hard you can do nothing but just sit there in complete silence because you know what happens? The conviction and the truth hurts and it's overwhelming and you really don't want to respond to it. You really don't want to respond to it. When the truth comes out, you really don't want to respond to it. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only prophet of the Lord who has left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar. With, but without setting fire to it, I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set, set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God, and all the people agree. He said, we're going to have a showdown. Now, this is serious, folks. You want to talk about a spiritual battle. This is a serious spiritual battle. Elijah goes, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll have some sacrifices out here. Go get some wood. Go get some bulls. You guys can choose which bull you'd like. I'll choose which. I'll take the other one. And what we'll do is we'll set the bulls up on the altars. And whoever's God answers, that's the one true God. And that's the one that, that, that will let settle this. We're going to have the gods duke it out. We're not going to do it ourselves. We're just going to pray and ask God to show us. I hope. I hope that in your life, this is what you're doing. I hope that you're asking God to reveal things to you, to show things to you, to show you who you're really worshiping, who your faith is truly in. And asking God, begging God to continue to reveal himself to you so you can see God for his true self. See God for who he is really revealed to us in this word and that we, we won't worship something else. We'll worship the true God of this Bible. And he says, so we'll settle this. They'll, we'll let the God settle this. And he says, he says, the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. This is a big deal right here. I know, I know Elijah's like, Lord, you got to come through for me on this one because we're fixing to put it all on the line right here. And he's willing to. I believe he's a faithful man of God, and because he, he desires the things of God, I believe that, that he has a true faith in what God is about to do. I don't think he would have taken this step had he not had faith that God would answer when he called out to him. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Uh, then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced and hobbling around the altar they, they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. So here they are. They're, they're, they're like making a big deal. They're, they're dancing around this altar, waiting on their, their God to do something. And they've been doing this all morning. It's going on and on and on. And, and here Elijah says, He's about to start talking smack. I love a smack-talking prophet. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I love it, man. If you, you know, if you can back it up, go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always tell people that. And they're like, man, you sure do talk a lot of smack. I'm like, well, if you can back it up, you can talk it. So Elijah starts smack-talking. That's what verse 27 says. He says, you have to shout louder. He scoffed. For surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or relieving himself. Or maybe he's on a trip or is asleep and needs to be awakened. Elijah 
starts making fun of their God who's not real. Everybody knows he's not real. They're not willing to admit that he's not real. But these guys are over there making a big deal out of it. And Elijah's like, maybe it's on the toilet. You need to shout louder, dudes. He can't hear you. You need to get after it because your, your God is he's, he's, he's on vacation, man. He took a trip. Like Forrest Gump says, vacation is the place you go and don't ever come back. You know, that, that's what's happened to their God, you know. He's gone, guys. Where's you got to call it. you got to wake him up. He's asleep. Surely your God is asleep. That's what's going on here. You need to shout louder. If you shout louder, maybe he'll be able to hear you. He'll wake up, and he'll come set fire to this altar. Man, I can imagine that these guys are infuriated. I imagine the king is infuriated at this point. You know what Elijah's desire is? People worship God. You know why he went through all this and why he, why he challenged them, why he called out to all of Israel and proclaimed the truth to them because he wanted people to worship God. And he wanted people to love God for who he really was. You know, you know why we have simple church? is because we want people to love God for who he really is. We want you to hear the truth of God's word. It's truly written. We don't want to sugarcoat things or twist things. We just want you to hear the word of God and we want you to worship God for who he truly is. We, we love God, and we, we want people to, to love God because they see who he is, and they see how much he loves them. And, and it's worth sacrificing your life for. If you have to be put on the line so that, so that you die in order that that good news can be proclaimed, then you should be so in love with God that you say, I'm willing to die for it. It is I, no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. To live as Christ, to die is gain. He's like... You got to understand that it's so important that, that, that God be proclaimed and that God be loved for who He is. And He's willing to put His life on the line. That is real spiritual warfare. Because I promise you, when you step up like that, when you're so in love with Jesus that it doesn't matter if you die, you just want God to be worshiped, that's going to make a lot of people unhappy. That's going to make a lot of people unhappy. They even taunts them a little bit, taking it a little step further, going, you guys, you don't understand, your God's asleep and you wake him up. So then they shouted louder, following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They, they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. A dead God. Their God was not alive. If you worship yourself, if you worship the things you desire and not the things God desires, if you worship something other than the one true God, that self is dead. Dead in trespasses and sin. Dead. D-E-A-D. The only way you can have life is to worship God as he is in this book and as he has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't, then that is death. And dead gods don't speak. Here, these dead gods did not speak. And they carried on. I mean, they're cutting themselves with knives and swords, just blood's gushing out everywhere, it says. And they, they all afternoon until the evening sacrifice. But still, there was no sound, no reply, no response. You know what happens when you have heartache and you are not a follower of Jesus? And you try to rely on yourself. 
pothole. If somebody dies in your family and you don't love Jesus and Jesus Christ is not number one in your life, it is so, so difficult to get out of that. You see this time and time again at funerals, people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. There's lots of screaming and carrying on and just people wailing because they don't know what to do because they got no hope because the God that they're calling on is themselves and that God is dead. They have no peace in their spirit. The Holy Spirit of God does not exist within them. So they're crying and wailing and carrying on. Paul says this. He says, because you are believers, you're not supposed to act like the unbelievers who have no hope. People that have a relationship with Jesus, they have an eternal hope. And they can say, man, one day, sometime, God is going to set all this right because I believe in Jesus Christ because of who he is. And he is number one in my life. I look to him for hope. I don't look to me. I look to him for hope. I don't look anywhere else but to Jesus Christ for hope. These guys were looking everywhere else but to God for hope. And it fell on deaf ears because their God was dead. Then Elijah called to the people. Come over here. They all crowded around him and prepared the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces and, placed, and the, laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the, the offering and the wood. After he'd done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did it, as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Here we got Elijah. He calls the people together. He's like, come here a second. God's about to do something. God's about to do something miraculous. God's about to do something that these other gods can't do. He says, we're going to build this altar. And not only are we going to put wood out here so that it will burn, we're going to pour water on the wood so that only God can do it. So only God will be the one that will be able to consume this sacrifice with fire. You won't be able to blame it on anything else. There won't be some supernatural something, strike of lightning, anything like that. It's only going to be God, and people are only going to be saying, that must be a work of God. And they go, and they get water, and they dump it on the altar. And he says, that's not enough. Do it again. So they get water, and they dump it on the altar. And he says, that's not enough. Do it again. And they get water and dump it on the altar. He says, it's so much that it fills a trench around the altar where the bull pieces are laid. And he says, now it's God's turn. Now it's God's turn. And, and I, I love the fact that it says, Elijah said, come here. I, I love that. You know what that is, man? That's an invitation. It's an, it's an invitation to, to let God come closer so you can see God. Come closer so you can see what God's about to do. Come closer so you can get an eye on what God is doing. You know what I want people to do, man? I just want them to get closer. I just want people to come around so they can see what God is doing. They can see God changing people's lives and doing a great work. And, and people coming to faith in Christ because of the gospel. I just want people to come and see, man. Let's all gather around and see this thing. And Elijah says, all right, now it's God's turn. At the usual time for the offering, 
of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. This is a big prayer. You want to talk about a prayer of spiritual warfare? This is a big prayer. He says, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are, the, you are God in Israel and I am your servant. Prove that I have done this, all, all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that, O Lord, our God, you, O Lord, are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. This is what he says. He says, he says God, I want you to reveal this to these people so that they can see you. I don't want them to see me. I want them to see you. You know what our desire is at Simple Church? is for you to not see Simple Church, but you to see Jesus Christ. I don't want people to come to Simple Church. I want people to come to Jesus. I want people to be so in love with God that they don't want anything else, that they're, they're so in, in a desire to be where God is that they want to be wherever Jesus is. I had to tell people, I said, when I'm starting this church that God has called me to start, don't follow Kenny, you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. You follow Jesus wherever he wants you to be in your life where you can see God and experience God and be close to God and, and have your desire for God fulfilled and your desire to love God, just be close to him. And he says, show them, Lord. Show them. Show them what? Show them that you want them back. That no matter how far they've drifted, no matter how much they've drifted into their own desires and what they want, that you want them back. You want him back. That's what Jesus was. It, it, it was our promise that, that God wanted us back. He created us. He, he breathed life into us. He knows the hairs on our heads. He knows every single thing about us. And then he let us go. He let us choose. Jesus Christ is his way of telling you, I wanted you back. So much so that I was willing to give my own son. It was worth death. To have you back. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. And burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones and the dust. And even licked up the water in all the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. And Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Now some people are like, why in the world would God allow this man to go and take these prophets of Baal to be killed down the Kishon Valley? Why in the world would our loving God have that happen? I don't skirt around the hard stuff. I'm not going to dodge that question. What's happened here is these people have turned back to God. God has shown them that he loves them. He has shown them his power. He's shown them that he is God. The prophets of Baal are taken down the Kishon Valley and killed there. Why? Why would that happen? It's because God didn't want them to go back. He, he didn't want them to go back to the prophets of Baal. He wanted it to be settled right then, right there and say, it's done. It's finished. I've surrendered everything to you. And if I've given you everything, then everything else has to die. That's the problem with most people in their Christianity. They haven't severed the tie enough to say, I'm done, I'm finished. It's all you, Jesus, and it's no longer anything else. 
They're not willing to let stuff die. They're not willing to kill stuff in order that, that he can be the only thing left. That's not what's being taught in the judgment houses out there. That's not what's being taught in a lot of churches. Because people, here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. A lot of people are like, if I do that, they won't come back. They're going to get so angry at the message. They're going to get so angry at the truth that they're, they're not going to come back. Can't we just tell them a half truth and then believe that? And I go, how long will that last? How long will that last? I want you to be fully surrendered to Jesus Christ and who he is. I don't want you to come around one day and go, I didn't realize all that. I want you to understand Christ and who he is and how God has has shown us who he is through this Bible so that when you fully surrender your life to Christ, it's with the whole picture and not just part of one. Some people may say, well, Kenny, I got saved in a judgment house. No, you got saved in spite of a judgment house. It was the work of God on your life and God speaking to your heart at that point in time. That's what saved you. Your surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord, that's what saved you. It wasn't some stupid judgment house. What about Christians? What about Christians? People that have really given their life to Christ. Sometimes they they fall back into themselves, right? It does happen. It happens. Sometimes you get consumed with self. Sometimes the tug of the flesh is too much, and we, we fall prey to that, right? It happens. It happens. What are we supposed to do? Die. Die. Just like you did the first time. Die. Take up your cross and follow me is what Jesus says. You know what that means? Be willing to die every single day. Be willing to do it over and over and over again. And the good news is that you've got a faithful God that's willing to forgive you over and over and over again. But you've got to be willing to die. You've got to be willing to die. David Nasser wrote a book called A Call to Die. It's exactly what Jesus' words were. He says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, he says, you know what? Take up your instrument of torture that will mean your ultimate demise. Take that and you come where I'm going. Be like me. Die. Jesus' call is a call to die. It's a call to die. Now the end result of that is a place called heaven, which is to be with Jesus. But you've got to want to be with Jesus now. You just can't just not want to be in hell. That's the reality of the truth of the gospel. Let me pray. Father, thank you. God, thank you for the truth of your word. God, I pray that we would always treat, treat this word as truth. God, that we would teach the whole truth. God, that we would not sugarcoat anything or overlook anything. That, God, we would look at the truth of your word as it is written, God, and we would proclaim that with boldness and with clarity. God, I know that there's some people here that they may be struggling with their salvation, their relationship with you, and maybe you reveal to them the fact that they don't have a relationship with you. God, I know that, that if they surrender their heart and life to you, that if they say yes to Jesus Christ, God, that you deserve everything in my life and I deserve nothing, and they humble themselves before the cross, that, God, you will save them. I pray that you do that. God, for that heart and that soul that's struggling right now, I pray that you would save them. God, and then for the Christian who slipped away, a person that has a relationship with you, God, but the tug of the flesh has been so strong, Lord, they've gotten away from you. I pray that they're reminded of the simple truth, God, that you want them back. 
You want to be close to them again. You want their, their hearts to be close to yours. God, that you no longer want their lips to be close to you. God, but you want their hearts to be close to you. God, not just their words, God, but their actions and everything about that's inside of them. God, you desire for all of that to be close to you. God, I pray for that person. Lord, maybe they're struggling with that. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here that's hurting because uh, something devastating has happened into their lives, God. Maybe so they've lost a loved one or maybe they're struggling with something. And, and God, maybe they've been looking to themselves for comfort. I pray that they would look only to Jesus for comfort. God, because they will find nothing in themselves. God, only a dead, empty shell. But God, if they look to you, they will see life and life eternal. And because of that, they can have hope. God, they can have a renewed faith and strength. God, whatever you need to do in people's hearts and in their lives, God, I pray that you would do that. Lord, people need you. God, but I know this. I know this. You so desperately want them to be close to you. God, close to you with their hearts. So, Lord, whatever you need to do to draw people to you, God, I pray that you would do that. And I pray that you're glorified through our response to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all please stand?